On this live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, we're kicking off our build-up ahead of the big game this weekend. Arsenal take on Manchester United at the Emirates Stadium this coming Saturday. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello, good evening and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiu, and on this edition, we're going to be kicking off our build-up ahead of this weekend's huge Premier League fixture against Manchester United, the old enemy. We're going to be bringing you this show where I'm going to be giving you my uh, my starting 11 for the game. We're going to be talking a little bit about that. I want to hear from you guys in the comments who you'd like to see play. I'm going to take your questions. Uh, we're going to get through uh, as much of your your comments and questions as we as many of your comments and questions as we possibly can. And of course, tomorrow we're going to bring you another special show. Looking ahead to this game, I'll be joined by Scott Saunders, head of content over at 90 Min. I'm sure if you watch the gas tank uh, on the channel, you will know uh, all about Scott. But Scott uh, has kindly uh, put some time in his diary to join me tomorrow, uh, so that we can have a little bit more of a general conversation about the two teams, where they're at and um, how we expect this one to unfold. So uh, make sure your notifications are turned on, make sure you're subscribed. And uh, I look forward uh, to having a chat with Scott and uh, you guys in the chat box as well uh, tomorrow. So plenty of content to come in the next 24 hours. As I mentioned on the previous show, there will be no watch along, unfortunately, for the game between Arsenal and Man United because I'm working. I'll be on live commentary over on VSIN in the United States. I always share uh, the link via my Twitter page. So if you fancy joining me on that, then come and join me over there. Uh, but unfortunately, I won't be streaming live on this channel. However, uh, Jay Bayford will be on Twitter. He'll be uh, taking over the Chronicles of Aguna Twitter account and he will be uh, providing you updates on the game uh, over there if you can't watch it. Uh, so please uh, check that out and follow us at Chronicles underscore AFC if you don't already. Right, without further ado, let's um, let's start looking ahead to the game because there are lots of question marks around fitness. There are lots of question marks around the selection uh, that Mikel Arteta uh, probably should make for this one. I've kind of been racking my brain about it this afternoon. Who should play? Who shouldn't? Um, what do we do in the event that this player is not available? What do we do in the event that that player is not available? And we had um, we had an update from Mikel Arteta today uh, with regards to the fitness of some of our key players, but it wasn't very clear. Um, you know, if that's the and I say it wasn't very clear, I make it sound as though um, I make it sound as though. Mikel Arteta was purposely vague about it. The actual reality of the situation is that he doesn't know um, who's going to be fit. He doesn't know who's not going to be fit. Um, you know, there are a lot of players that are touch and go. How much of a risk do you take on them? I guess you have to watch them in training over the next sort of 24 hours and try and make a, a, an informed decision there. Um, but I'm going to share with you guys my starting lineup. And there's going to be a couple of X slash the next player because I don't know which ones are going to be available. So it's a bit of a guessing game this time around. Uh, but if if um, if we uh, get the news that we want to get, then I'm going to be basing it on that. I'm also going to be telling you who I would put in if uh, or in the event that those players are not available as well. So let's start with the goalkeeping position. Obviously, um, Matty Ryan has come into the club, which is Fantastic news, uh, solid number two goalkeeper. But there's no doubt in my mind uh, that Bern Leno is Arsenal's number one at the moment and that Bern Leno should start this game. So I've gone with Bern Leno uh, in the goalkeeping position. Now, at right back, um, I think you've kind of... This is a difficult one. This is a difficult one because I've been really impressed with Cedric. But Cedric's inclusion in this team, obviously, um, is, is totally dependent now on, on what happens with Kieran Tierney. So let's park that for a minute. 
and 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 let's let's talk talk about the centre backs. Now, centre backs, I think this is quite an easy one. I think that Gabriel was way off of the pace in the game against Southampton in the FA Cup, and just because of that, you know, I know he needs to play to get fit. I know he needs to play to get sharp, but I can't put him in. The, I can't throw him in the starting lineup to play Manchester United based on on what we saw in his last display. So I'm going to go. Um, with uh, Rob Holding and David Luiz. Now, I know David Luiz had a few hairy moments in the Premier League game at Southampton. Um, you know, a couple of lapses in concentration, a couple of really sloppy misplaced passes. But I just think right now, um, you know, Tuesday to Saturday, it's a, it's a fairly um, substantial break between the two games. And I just feel like right now, I, I wouldn't want to take any risks. And I feel like playing Gabriel at the minute would be a significant risk because, um, you know, because of of the kind of the fitness issues, the, the hangover of COVID-19. I thought that, I thought that Gabriel was sensational in the game at Old Trafford when, of course, we defeated Manchester United. And obviously, uh, you know, that, that plays a part in my thinking. And, and I agree with Omar in the chat when he says, uh, Louise wasn't great either. He certainly wasn't um, in the game against uh, Southampton that he played in the one in the FA uh, in the Premier League. I should say he wasn't great either. But um, you know, for me, I just I don't know. I just um, I just think it's less of a risk probably uh, to play with uh, with David Lewis at centre back. Going into the left back position. Um, I go with I go with Kieran Tierney, assuming he's fit. But if he's not, then it's Cedric for me. I thought Cedric did a wonderful job uh, in the game uh, the other night. He was brilliant. He, he looked comfortable on his wrong side, more so in the attacking sense. I thought that a couple of times he got caught out defensively. Um, you know, Kieran Tierney is obviously the standout candidate, the standout man, one of the first names on the team sheet when he's fit. But if there is any risk uh, regarding Kieran Tierney, I wouldn't be taking that risk and I wouldn't be looking to kind of gamble on his fitness. You know, we've seen him break down on a number of occasions. And for me, it, it worries me um, that if he's not 100% fit, I don't want to see him rushed back into the game. And I know it significantly weakens us because as good as Cedric was the other night, you know, we're talking about playing against the Manchester United side this time, who are a different ball game to Southampton with all due respect to them. And of course, United come into this one off the back of a, a damaging, quite embarrassing defeat. And they'll have a point to prove for sure. Um, so, yeah, I've gone Tierney Cedric. Obviously, if Tierney's fit, Tierney starts. But then that's interesting because on the other side, if Tierney is fit, then I play Cedric here. You see what I mean? So I, that that's why it's so difficult to nail down my selection. In the event that, that Cedric doesn't play at left back, I would play him at right back because I think he's been that good. I think if Mikel Arteta wants to talk a lot about building a culture here, you know, building a winner's culture whereby you earn your place in the team on merit, whereby, um, you know, whereby you you pick the players that are on good form, you pick the players that are playing well, then then Cedric deserves to play football. The, the only kind of counter to that is he's played a hell of a lot of football. You know, he's played 90 minutes, what, three times in eight days? It was, yeah, 90 minutes in three times in eight days, which is a lot of football, especially for someone who'd kind of been in and out of the side uh, leading up to that period. Um, so yeah, but for me, if Tierney's fit, Tierney plays left back. If Cedric's fit, he plays right back. If he has to play, um, sorry, if Tierney's fit and Cedric plays right back, then Bellerin misses out. It's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? But you get what I'm trying to say. If Cedric plays at left back, then Bellerin plays at right back. But if, if Tierney plays at left back, then Cedric plays at right back. That's what I'm trying to say. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, moving into the midfield, I think this is an easy decision here. Um, you know, and, and as long as these two are both fit and available, uh, then we go with Granite Xhaka and we go with Thomas Partey. Now, there were suggestions that with, with Thomas Partey, perhaps it was cramp, um, you know, and maybe that's why he was forced off the other day. I don't know. Mikel Arteta didn't really give any more um, detail. He just said there was some muscle discomfort. So we're going to have to see how that goes. But for me, uh, providing that Thomas Partey is available, that is my midfield pivot. Danny Sabas missed out 
uh, on Tuesday night due to fitness issues. So he's even touch and go as to whether he'll be available. And in which case, I do not want to see Mohamed Elneny in that midfield. Um, and therefore, I would go with Xhaka and Partey. That would be my midfield pivot. Um, moving further forward, again, subject to fitness. And this is why it's so difficult to do this this week. But subject to fitness, I'd go with Emil Smith-Rowe. Um, you know, because it, it, as long as he's available, because he's played so well of late and he deserves to continue in the side. He's, he's proved a pivotal player, was a little bit quieter against Southampton, I thought, than he has been, um, you know, in some of the recent weeks. But that's fine, you know, because when the whole team is performing and alternatives are kind of stepping up to the plate, then that's not an issue. But of course, if he's not fit, uh, then I'd go with Erdegaard. Um in that number 10 position. I know it's kind of throwing him in, um, but, you know, throw him in. You know, what? that's what we brought him for. We brought him here to make an impact straight away. We didn't buy him for the future. You know, he's, he doesn't have a future at Arsenal as things stand. He's only going to be here um, until the end of the season, until the end of May. So, you know, if you feel like he can bring something to the team, if you feel like he can enhance the team, um, and you've brought him in for that reason, then I wouldn't be so adverse to throwing him into the side if needs be. Look, in an ideal world, I think you get you leave him um, on the substitutes bench, you allow him to continue training with the side, um, and then you kind of embed him in um, a little bit more gradually and perhaps not in a game of this magnitude. But for me, you know, if there is any doubt about Emil Smith-Rowe, then, then this guy has to play. The profiles of the two players are very, very similar. And of course that profile of player has, has made a massive difference to Arsenal's attacking output. Um, it's improved Arsenal in the final third. It's allowed Arsenal to uh, create that link between the midfield and the attack. It's allowed Arsenal to double up on the flanks when whoever that player is pops out to the left or pops out to the right in order uh, to create those overloads. So, yeah, I, I think as much as Emil Smith-Rowe has been really, really good, the profile of the player is what's really you know, made a massive, massive difference in my opinion. So you have to have that type of player in the side. And and Erdegaard has come in, as we all believe, to provide competition for Emil Smith-Rowe in that position. And so if Emil Smith-Rowe can't play for me, he has got to come into the side. Now on the flanks, Bukayo Saka for me right now is the, is the first name on the team sheet. You know, he's been brilliant. I wrote a piece earlier on, um, about his kind of progression um, and about the kind of uh, the, the, the positional switch and all of that stuff uh, and, and how that kind of emulates that of some of the Premier League greats of the past. And I compared him to Gareth Bale in the article and I hate comparing anybody uh, to to that lot down the road or, or anything like that. But th there are a lot of similarities. You know, Gareth Bale broke through as a left back, right? eventually moved forward and was playing on the left wing. And then ultimately, in his kind of mega glory days, if you want to call him that, at Real Madrid, Gareth Bale was operating from the right-hand side, able to cut in field, had a full-back bombing on the outside of him. And it kind of, what that does, I think, with you playing on your wrong side, what that does is it kind of guards you against the... Um, the problems that come with age, i.e. the lack of pace, like sort of losing your pace a little bit. If your biggest strength is to cut in field and make things happen because you're a technically gifted footballer as Bukayo Saka is, and you're not always looking to go on the outside of people, then pace is not as much of a factor, if that makes sense, when you get into the later years of your career. So not only does it add variation to your game, but it also, I think, um, equips you for the test of time. And that's what, that's what I really believe to be the case. With Saka. That's not to say, though, that Saka should become one dimensional, that Saka shouldn't uh, be looking to take people on on the outside. We've seen him still do that. He did it against Southampton on multiple occasions. And when he provided that assist for Alexander Lacazette's goal after that wonderful ball from Cedric on the left hand side, he played the ball back across the six-yard box with incredible accuracy, with his weaker foot. Um, and, and he just displayed the confidence that this lad has got to play with either foot, to play on either side. And I think that it adds a, a real variation to his game. And when he does cut inside, we know he's got the ability to make things happen, hurt people. And um, I, I just think he's flourished on the right wing. I really do. And I think he's been... You know, he was effective on the left wing, but I think he's been even more effective uh, on the right flank. And I think 
that right now, for me, in my mind, in my eyes, and I know Mikel Arteta may feel differently and Mikel Arteta may feel the need to rotate things around a little bit. But for me, that position is 100% his right now. And whilst he's fit and available, um, again, I talk about the fact that, you know, Tuesday to Saturday is a manageable gap. Um, I think he, he, he's he got to play. I think he's been so key, so pivotal. And so he plays there for me. Now, based on Mikel Arteta's comments today uh, with, with regards to Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who we learned is uh, has been absent due to the ill health of his mother, and, and, you know, my wishes go out to, to his family. I hope she makes a full recovery. Um, but in light of, of Mikel Arteta's comments, I'd actually be surprised if Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang returned to the side for the game against Manchester United. And I actually think that that's quite handy, if that makes sense. Not the circumstances, of course not. Um, but the, the fact that Aubameyang is out, is likely to be out. I say likely because I don't know. Um that means that Mikel doesn't have to make a decision on who plays from the left-hand side. Because look, let, let's let's put it right. I would say that Nicolas Pepe's overall display against Southampton on Tuesday was his best to date in an Arsenal shirt. You know, yeah, he's, he's played well in spells. And I know he switched off a little bit early doors in that game when he kind of allowed... Stuart Armstrong to run off of him and, and eventually put the ball in the back of the net for Southampton. But Nicolas Pepe, for me, is a is a confidence player, right? He needs to be loved. He needs to feel the love. He needs to feel important. And you could see the minute he put that ball in the back of the net for Arsenal's equaliser, you could just visibly see the confidence flowing through Nicolas Pepe. He looked like a new new player. He looked like someone who was enjoying his football. You know, he had a swagger. He had so much more about him on Tuesday night. And I think a lot of that was down to confidence. I think a lot of that was also down to the fact that he played on the left-hand side. And again, I wrote a piece uh, for 90min, which you can find on 90min.com right now. I've also shared it uh, via my Twitter account as well. Um, Only Cedric in an Arsenal shirt had more touches of the ball then Nicolas Pepe on Tuesday, which suggests that when he plays on the left, he gets far more involved in Arsenal's attack. Why? Because I think Arsenal as a football team, they gear their sort of attacks more down the left-hand side. They always have done. And, and I don't even know why. You know, if you go back to the, the Arsene Wenger days, it was Cole and Perez on the left, you know. Um, before that, it was Mark Overmars. There's always been a you know, a tendency from Arsenal to to focus their attacking play down the left-hand side. If you remember Thierry Henry pulling out there all the time as well. Um, you know, maybe it's because we've over the years had superior players on that side of the pitch. I don't know. But Nicolas Pepe was far more involved playing from the left. As I said, 50-odd touches. Um, I think it was in comparison to, well, Cedric had 81, but nobody else was anywhere near that. Pepe was the second highest. So he certainly gets more involved. He certainly has more of an influence over proceedings when he plays in that position. And I think, similar to what I was saying about Bukayo Saka, with Nicolas Pepe, I think, obviously, naturally, he wants to receive the ball wide and drive into the penalty area. He's a lot more direct than a lot of our alternative options in the sense of when he gets the ball on the flank, he almost runs in a in a kind of, and I'll just demonstrate it to you, like, Say, for example, Pepe received the ball here, right? Pepe's natural instinct from a position like that would be this. Hit the penalty spot. That's what he wants to do. And whether that that is from, you know, here, even receiving it in a more, um, you know, in a more infield position, again, it'll be the same. It's directness. Whether he's on the right-hand side, again, Nicolas Pepe, when he gets the ball, what does he want to do? He wants to drive it in field. That's Nicolas Pepe's instinct. That's what he's been so good at over the years. That's what earned him a £72 million move to Arsenal Football Club. And by playing him on the left, you're not taking that away from him. You're allowing him still to do that. You know, you're allowing him to get the ball in these kind of inside channels and pick up the ball, uh, sorry, and drive at the penalty spot. But what you're also giving him is the option to do this, and that's to go on the outside of his man. And when Nicolas Pepe plays on the right-hand side, he's very, very reluctant to do that. Why? Because he's so naturally left-footed. So giving Nicolas Pepe the option 
of being able to drive in field, but also adding a bit of variation, adding a bit of difference to his play and not being so predictable, I think you get a better Nicolas Pepe that way. And so for me, him playing on the left is is far more um, beneficial to Arsenal. I think you saw that against Southampton. So I think a combination of that and, and the fact that Saka has been so much more effective on the right, I think that right now, based on, on the players that are available, I think that's the way you've got to go. Now, I know a lot of people in the chat will probably be asking for um, uh, Gabriel Martinelli to start. I've not really seen the sharpness back yet with Gabriel Martinelli. And again, I understand that the only way you get back to fitness, you get back to sharpness um, after being out for a long, long time is by playing football matches. But this is not a game to piss about in. This is Manchester United. I hate Manchester United on the same level as I hate Tottenham Hotspur. I grew up in the heat of the Arsenal-Man United rivalry, the Wenger versus Fergie days. I'll never get over that. You know, those were some great years, um, but the hatred is still there. And so for me, this game means as much as any game we're going to play in the season. Uh, so no, um, you know, I, I want to see, um, I, I want to see, the team selected, you know, as I've picked it. And and interestingly, uh, Harry Land makes a good point. And I'm going to come to the chat box in a minute, guys. So don't worry. Get your questions in there. I'll come to them in a little bit uh, in just a few minutes time. He says the same with Kieran going on the outside and Oba going on the inside. Left footed, left back, leave space for a right footed winger. to da, da, da. Yeah, that, that, you're exactly right. But what having Nicolas Pepe, OK, on the left hand side does a left footed player. If it's Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang here, for example, right, playing on the left, Aubameyang will always go inside and the fullback will always go on the outside, okay? Because that's just, it's what's natural to the two players. The left back will go on the outside because he's left-footed and the, the inverted winger will cut infield. But by not playing with an inverted winger, by playing with Nicolas Pepe there, actually, you can interchange it. You know, Pepe can can pull out to the flank with Tierney making a, a sort of more inside run and getting into that half space and causing problems. So I think it's very interesting uh, to see the variation that comes with playing uh, a couple of left-footed players there. When you've got one right-footer and one left-footer and they're both just doing what comes natural, then it becomes a little bit, you know, um, predictable. It becomes a little bit same old, same old. So I'd like to see, uh, uh, you know, Arsenal persist with that, with Nicolas Pepe on the left flank. And, and while Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang's not available, it's a no-brainer for me. You know, Nicolas Pepe, as we've spoken about, he needs the confidence. He needs the love. And having played the way he did against Southampton, you just feel that if he was dropped, it would be like he took two steps back uh, forward and then two step, uh, three steps back. You know, that's how it would feel for me. Because you finally got something out of him. You tweaked this position, you got you got a response out of him. And if you're talking about this culture of winning and competition and all of that stuff, then you have to, you have to, um, you know, you, you have to reward him for that performance against Southampton. It was that good, in my opinion. It was that good. And then, of course, up front, um, again, it's, it's an easy one for me here. Alexander Lacazette, he's been so good of late. He's linked up play brilliantly uh, with the wide players. Almost, you know, when you play the ball into, into Lacazette, you know he's going to either hold it or he's going to lay it off to someone else. Uh, even made himself, uh, got himself on the edge of the six-yard box to receive Saka's cross uh, in that um game against Southampton, making up, I guess, for the, the missed chance early on. Uh, but that is the lineup I would go with, um, you know, and, and I know there's a couple of, you know, for example, Tierney slash Cedric or uh, Smith Rowe slash Erdegaard. And that, that is purely because we don't know uh, where these players are at in terms of their fitness right now. We know their concerns um, and we know that that Mikel Arteta is going to have to assess those players closer to the time. So just a quick run through for those of you listening on the audio. Uh, Leno in goal, back four of, of Tierney at left back if he's fit. David Lewis holding and Cedric. Midfield of Xhaka, Partey and Emil Smith-Rowe if he's fit. But if he's not, then you bring Erdogan in, straight swap. Bukayo Saka on the right, Nicolas Pepe on the left and Alexander Lacazette up top. Now I'm basing this on, I don't think Aubameyang will be back. Um, 
there's been some question marks around whether he left the country uh, to go and visit his mum. And I, I don't know is the honest answer to that. Does that mean he's going to have to quarantine? You know, Mikel Arteta said in his press conference that he's not sure what's going to happen with that, which suggests maybe he did uh, travel abroad. So, you know, all the signs to me suggest that Aubameyang probably won't be available. I'm not going to completely rule it out because I can't. But my kind of gut feel is that it is that he's probably going to be missing for this one as well. In which case, it makes Mikel Arteta's decision easy for me on that left flank. Nicolas Pepe plays there. Um, just to kind of clarify my position on the fullbacks once more, um, I'd go with Tierney at left back if he's fit. But if he's not, that means Cedric comes in. Um, and then if Cedric plays at left back, then Bellerin plays at right back. If Tierney is fit and Cedric is not needed on the left, I want to see him play on the right. So the the right back position will be determined by whether Kieran Tierney is fit or not. Um, it's as simple as that for me. Um, in terms of a prediction, it's a really difficult game to predict because, you know, Arsenal have been on a decent run in the Premier League, but we could be um, handicapped by the fact that we've got a few players who, you know, are not 100% fit if they are. Um, if they are fit, then, uh, you know, great, but there's, there's worries about some of them. And I expect, you know, we'd be very lucky if Tierney, Partey and Emil Smith-Rowe are all able to start the game. Um, you know, and, and equally, you don't want to take massive risks as well, do you? Because if, if the problem, if you could potentially lose one of, or some of them, um, for a sustained period of time by risking them, then you know, you've got to weigh that up. And I, I don't think it's a risk worth taking, particularly in the case of some of these players who have, have broken down on multiple occasions already this season. It just it just feels like a, you know, I know this is a massive game. I've, I've been emphasising how much this game means to me personally, but you've got to weigh up the risks. And I think that Mikel Arteta will look at the run of games coming. And I would like to think that he won't risk players um, unless he is as confident as he can be, and he can never be a hundred percent, but unless he's as confident as he can be that they will, uh, you know, they will come through the game unscathed. Uh, Moss 52 in the chat points out that I'm not pronouncing the name. Yeah, you're right, mate. I just keep forgetting. I'm not good at it. Um, I've tried, let's put it this way. Norwegian is not my strong point. <laughs> um, right. Get your questions in the live chat. Let's see what you guys are saying. Is there anything you agree with in that team? Is there anything you disagree with? Let me know. Get your predictions in the chat. Any questions you might have about anything else Arsenal related as well. Uh, start filling up the chat box as we enter into the second part of the show. Um, just a quick reminder, if you haven't already, make sure uh, you hit the uh, like button. I can see on YouTube, um, there are 170 of you watching right now, uh, but there's only 50 likes. So can we get that up to 100 as soon as possible? There's enough of you in the chat. Um, so yeah, get, get that in. Um, also, if you're interested in becoming a member of the Chronicles of Aguna YouTube channel, uh, click on the link in the description and you can sign up and you'll receive access to our membership perks. Uh, for those of you who have seen it, we've released our, one of our members videos uh, to the public so you can see it to get a taste of it, to understand what our membership content is going to be like going forward. And that was our special on Martin Erdogan. There you go. I didn't say the D. Um, so, yeah, check that out. See what you think. If you like it, if you like the kind of guests we're going to be getting on, the kind of people we're going to be getting on, um, then uh, please uh, sign up to the membership and uh, join our Discord server as well, where interesting conversations are taking place uh, throughout the day and throughout the evening. It's a great little community uh, that we're building there. So uh, thank you to everyone who's joined already. And thank you in advance uh, to those of you who will be joining uh, in the next uh, few days, weeks, months, whatever. Um, what else was I going to say? Quick reminder, there will be no watch along uh, for the game against Man United, unfortunately, because um, I've, uh, I'm working, uh, I'm working on VSIN in the United States. So, but you, so I won't be able to bring you a watch along, but you can keep up with the game uh, via our Twitter feed at Chronicles underscore AFC, where Jay Bayford uh, will be bringing you updates there. Um, what else did I want to say? What else did I want to remind you guys about? Oh yeah. Show tomorrow, Scott Saunders, 90 Men's head of content in the UK, a uh, big Man United fan. You probably recognize him from the gas tank as well. He'll be joining me. We'll be live at 
5 p.m. at 5.15 p.m. I'm going to say just to be safe. At 5.15 we'll be going live uh, to look ahead to the game, have a little bit of a general chat about where Arsenal and Man United are at and how we see this one uh, unfolding. Right, let's go back to the chat box. Did I give you my prediction or not? No? I don't think I did. I'm going to give you it. My prediction is 1-1. Um, I'm going for a 1-1 at the Emirates. I'm going for... Um, yeah, I'm going for a 1-1. I was spot on um, for the FA Cup game. I predicted an Arsenal win in the league game, but I only pre- I predicted it to be 1-0 and Arsenal won 3-1. So I got the result right, but not the score. Um, but this time I'm going, I'm going with a 1-1. So let's see how that one uh, comes off. Uh, Wes Bird says, Harry, great show. Thank you so much and thank you for your support. One of our members. Uh, Giovanni says, long story short, Defo, no Willian. Um, Steve Stones agrees that Saka has to play on the right. Luke Shaw's been one of their best players of late. Saka will give him a headache. Interestingly, Luke Shaw didn't start the game um, for Manchester United against Sheffield United last night. So uh, last night, that's Wednesday night. So maybe there was uh, a bit of that in uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's thinking as well. Uh, In terms of predictions, Pratik has gone with 1-1. Uh, Omar says he's going with 2-1 to the Arsenal. He's surprisingly confident. Um, Kangaroo says he'd replace Luis for Gabriel. I would ordinarily. Um, if you missed the top of the show, I, I said that I would ordinarily, but I'm worried about Gabriel's condition right now. He looks so off the pace against Southampton in the FA Cup. I know David Luiz, um didn't look great in the league game, but it wasn't a fitness issue. It was just he played a couple of laps passes, had a couple of brain fart moments. So hopefully he's got that out of his system uh, going into this one. Uh, but yeah, look, ordinarily, Gabriel is a first choice centre-back at Arsenal for me. I just worry right now that having, um, you know, having suffered with COVID and then having to fight his way back to fitness, he just didn't seem quite up to speed. I know since between last Saturday and this Saturday, he'd have had another week of training Maybe that'll make a difference. Maybe Mikel Arteta will, will see that and feel like he's in better shape going forward. But, you know, if there's any doubt around his condition, then this is not a game to take risks in, in my opinion. Uh, Ashton says, Harry, I think Willian will start if Emil Smith-Rowe isn't fit. Besides, he had his best game against Man United at Old Trafford. Yeah, barring the Fulham game, he, that was his best performance. I agree. Um, but uh, there will be so many Arsenal fans up in arms, won't there? if Willian gets the nod uh, over Erdogan. And it's kind of like, why did we then sign him if Willian uh, is going to play ahead of him? You know, he's, he's going to have a good three three days of training uh, by the time the game comes around. I just think if you bring someone in on a short-term loan, right, it's because you believe that they can add something to your team immediately. Otherwise, you wouldn't bother doing it. You know, we've spoken about the, the language thing. It's not an issue for him. Um, and and I'd be, if Mikel Arteta went with Willian, then it would kind of make a mockery of the signing of Erdogan because it would kind of be like, well, then why did you bother bringing him in if you feel that Willian can deputise in that role? Willian has not performed since that game at Old Trafford that you mentioned, Ashton. So for me, I, I think you've got to throw in the new boy. I know it's early and maybe under ideal circumstances, uh, you wouldn't do that, but this is not, ideal by any stretch of the imagination. Emil Smith-Rowe not being fit makes that the case. So, you know, I hope Touchwood that Emil Smith-Rowe is able to start the game. But if he's not, I've got, I've, I've just got to go with the new boy. And again, this is my opinion. Um, this is what I would do. But I, I completely accept that given what we've seen from Mikel Arteta in the, in the past, there's a good chance that Willian, Willian could be selected. Uh, Akshay says, Gabriel scared the shit out of Rashford last time needs to play just for that. Yeah. And look, he, he did. He had a great game, uh, didn't he? Had a great game uh, at Old Trafford earlier in the season. AJ Morgan, one of our members, says another great guest. Scott's ball knowledge is great. Uh, looking ahead to tomorrow's show where Scott Saunders will be joining me. Yeah, Scott is brilliant. Fantastic. He's one of the few Manchester United supporters that I actually can be bothered to talk to because a lot of them just blow hot air. You know, they give it all this and that. And you know, they still live in the in the sort of late 2000s and all of that. But no, Scott is is great. Um, his knowledge is incredible. He's great at what he does. He wouldn't be in the job he is if he wasn't. Um, and above everything, he's a, he's a good mate as well. So looking forward to chatting to him on here. 
Uh, Carl Bradley says, I'm with you, Harry. I hate United more than any other Premier League side. Martinelli would make a bigger impact coming off the bench in this game with around 20, 25 minutes to go for me. Yeah, I, I kind of, I tend to agree with you on that, Kyle, because he just looks a little bit off the pace. Um, and, you know, it's understandable. You know, he was rushed back in the first place. I think in an ideal world, his, his, his transition back into the side would have been a little bit slower, uh, would have been a little bit uh, less kind of dramatic, i.e. less from one extreme to the other, not playing for six months, and then you're playing three games in, in a week, whatever it was. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think that he could have an impact on the game. He gives us that. I just feel like right now with, with Saka firing, with Pepe turning in probably his best performance in an Arsenal shirt to date, those two should get the nod in the wide positions. Lacazette has proven pivotal to everything we do in the final third at the moment. So, yeah, um, I, I want to see... Uh, I want to see Martinelli tr uh, potentially impact this game from the bench. Uh, big hello to Daniel, who says, good video. Thank you. Zeus says, 2-1 win. Uh, Giovanni says, uh, let's have some confidence, Harry. 2-0. Uh, Michelle disagrees with my prediction of 1-1. He says, no way it will be 1-1. We will beat them wankers 2-0. The thing is, and, and I was having this debate with someone the other day, right? Because if you cast your minds back to the preview video ahead of the, the FA Cup tie against Southampton, I was asked what my prediction was and I said that my prediction was Arsenal would lose 1-0 and it came off and then I, I got lots of stick from people going, oh, well, it's because of your negative prediction that we lost the game. Well, if you want me to tell you what I want the score to be, then I can do that. I want the score to be 6-0 to the Arsenal, but that's not a prediction, is it? That's not me giving you a prediction. That's not me telling you genuinely what I think is going to happen. So if you want me to give you the score I want to happen, I'll just dash 6-0 every week uh, in the chat box and that'll be that. But no, my my genuine prediction is a 1-1 draw. That's that's how I see this one going. I, I see it being uh, a tight game. I see it being a difficult game. I also think that the fact we won at Southampton eases the pressure on Arsenal just a little bit. Because as I said previously, I wanted four points from those two games. And having taken three at Southampton, I feel like we're now in a position where we can go into this game and if we see that it's not necessarily going our way, if we see that it's a little bit cagey, a little bit difficult, we're not in such a bad position anymore where we have to take the risk and and that risk end up blowing up in our faces. So yeah, that's where I'm at on it. I think a 1-1 draw is, is sensible. Um, Moss has gone 2-1 to the Arsenal. Nana's gone 3-1 to the Arsenal. Dominic's gone 2-2. Um, Joe says, hope, uh, part of me feels like this will be a board draw. Hopefully we win though. Yeah. That's how I feel about it as well. That it might just be a little bit cagey. Um, Kevon says Arsenal two, Man United one. Akshay says three, two to the Arsenal. Steve Stone says, shame on you, Harry. We will do this. Come on, you gunners. He's gone for two, one. Um, Richard has gone for Arsenal four, Manchester United two. Kobe Rickard has gone for three nil Arsenal. Man, it's just some really confident um, predictions here. I love it. I love it. And I hope you're all right. Uh, Dominic says, one thing that I'm worried about is set pieces. We're not great at either end on that front, Harry. Thoughts? Yeah, you know, I've been a little bit frustrated by our set pieces this season. Maybe it's because I had higher expectations given we'd brought in a set piece coach. You know, we heard a lot about that. There was a lot made of that in the summer. And it, it does feel like we haven't really improved significantly. I think we defend them okay. Um, you know, the, the goal we conceded against Southampton was obviously not great. Um, but I think overall, as a defensive unit, we've improved under Mikel Arteta. That's one of the things you can certainly give him in terms of credits. Um, when it comes to at the other end, though, I feel like we get people on the end of balls quite a bit. I feel like Rob Holding seems to get on the end of things a lot, but he just struggles to convert. So, you know, it, obviously set pieces is a, an area in which games can be won and lost. We've seen that time and time again, particularly cagey, tight uh, football matches. Uh, you know, sometimes they're decided by those kind of things. United have threat in that area. You know, we, as much as I think he's an absolute plank, uh, Harry Maguire is is a, a real handful in those situations. He's somebody that is very difficult to deal with. He's, he's a very powerful man. And... Um, yeah, he's someone that you've got to watch. He also likes to foul goalkeepers as well, as you saw in the game against Sheffield United. So you've got to watch out for that as well. 
Alejandro says, uh, I would put in Partey in the second half if we can hold the defence down for the first half, maybe. Um, maybe even Erdogan, I think he's saying there. Yeah, so he'd play Partey in the second half. Mm, I, I just don't want to see Elneny in there, mate. That, that That's my problem here. You know, had Sabayos been fit, maybe I'd be a little bit more open to that. Uh, but with with no confirmation as to whether Sabaos is going to make it, it's a little bit of a worry for me. Um, Wesbird says you could always play three at the back. I feel like Mikel Arteta has moved away from that now. I, I, you make a good point, and it's a system that has served us well um, in some games under Mikel Arteta. You know, he won the FA Cup like that. You, you can't take that away from him. But for me, I, I'm not a massive fan of the back three. I feel like it... Mm-hmm. Obviously, by playing that way means we can't play with the number 10. And I think the number 10 has been a major reason in why Arsenal have turned their form around lately. So for me, I would stay away from it. But, you know, in a situation where we may be winning the game with maybe 15, 20 minutes to go, you know, that's something that Mikel Arteta can potentially turn to. It's something that his team has done in the past. It's something they would have trained to do. They know quite well. So it gives us an option, doesn't it? It gives us a bit of flexibility that maybe in previous years, we didn't have. Um, Harry Land says, uh, if William starts, I'm getting my boots back on. Uh, what else have we got here? Um, Joe makes an interesting point regarding the kind of potential inclusion of the new boy. He says, is it really fair for Erdogan to, to bring him in such a high stakes game? I mean, if you're playing football at the top, top level, um, you know, I don't think you can shy away from these kind of fixtures. I think... As a young man who, in the early, very early stages of his career, 15 years old, was picked up by Real Madrid, was touted as this absolute wonder kid, has trained, has grown up, has developed, and now finds himself in a position where the club who went out on a limb to bring him in, the club who persuaded him above everybody else, and we know there were others involved, we know that Arsenal were interested, that club that that brought him to Madrid have essentially indicated over the last few years that they don't think he's good enough. Let's not forget as well, the loan to Real Sociedad was initially supposed to be a two-year loan, which tells you even more about how much Real Madrid rated him at that period in time. They pulled him back because they were desperate. And now he's in a place where they've allowed him to leave again. You know, and, And as much as he will say, yeah, Arsenal was the, you know, my my preferred destination. I I agree with that. I believe that to a degree, but I also believe that Real Madrid gave him a nudge in our direction. I also believe that Real Madrid don't want to give him to a competitor and Real Sociedad this season will be competing for a Champions League spot, perhaps. And and so will Real Madrid. So you can understand why they'd have given him a nudge this way. And I think a combination of those factors has led to him ending up at the Emirates Stadium. He's got a point to prove. And what better game to do that than in a game against Manchester United in a game against one of our fiercest rivals in a game in which there are question marks around Emil Smith-Rowe's availability. I think this is a really good opportunity for him if uh, Emil Smith-Rowe is unavailable and he gets the nod. I know that he may not, you know, he may be overlooked even for Willian, uh, as some of you pointed out in the chat, if uh, Smith-Rowe isn't available. But I, I just feel like when you bring someone in, and I know I've made this point time and time again, but I can't get away from it. When you bring somebody in to enhance your team immediately, you know, then why be worried? Why be scared about throwing them in? Why be scared of of putting them into the kind of, you know, into the lion's den? At the end of the day, it's a, it's a short loan deal. We've got February, March, April, May. It's essentially four months that he's going to be at the club for. So. If he's not ready now and he's going to need a month to get ready, what was the point in bringing him in in the first place would be kind of kind of my argument. Uh, what else have we got? Kai Hin says 2-1 to the Arsenal and I agree on your 11. Don't stop the, mom- the momentum by changing up too much from the Southampton game. If Pepe doesn't show up, put Saka to the left and play Erdogan on the right. Uh, T-Talk says, totally agree with the reasons for your starting lineup and in an ideal world, I'd go with it. Realistically, fitness issues will probably prevent that and we have Wolves on Tuesday. Another uh, important point. And if Mikel Arteta, you know, this sounds like a small club mentality thing. I know I'm going to get grief for saying this. You know, like 
relegation battling managers, i.e. people like Sam Allardyce, who are kind of renowned for that. You know what they do? They look at groups of games and they say, for example, we've got Manchester United away and then we've got Burnley at home. Which of those games am I more likely to take points from? Burnley at home. And so although Manchester United away on paper would be a bigger game, sometimes you'll see those kind of managers, those managers who are, you know, all about picking up the the points that they need and and not really worried about the, the future and the bigger picture. Those managers, they do that. You know, they'll look at the game and say, yeah, I think actually I've got more chance of of that and of taking points from that one. And so I will prioritize that one. I don't think it's right. I think you should try and win every single game. But, you know, perhaps Mikel Arteta will look at the the games that we've got coming up off the back of this one and feel like they're games in which Arsenal could stand a greater chance of picking up points. I know that's not what we want to hear as fans, but I think he has to consider that when he makes these selections um, and when we're talking about players who run the risk of breaking down again and being out for a significant period of time. I know it sounds like small club mentality, but that shit goes on. That goes on in football. Managers do do that. Whether we like it as fans or not, whether they would ever admit it, and I'm sure they won't, but managers do do that. Uh, What else have we got here? Um, Moss says, Harry, you speak wise words. Thank you. Um, What else have we got? Uh, Let's pick up. some more of your uh, points. Just uh, catching up with the chat because it's moved on. I, I do tend to bang on, don't I, about some of the some of the topics, and then I end up finding myself uh, way behind. Uh, Miss Mel says, "Do subscribe to the channel if you're new." Yes, please do. Don't forget, smash the like button. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. Let's see where we're at on likes. Actually, we're on a hundred, but now there are almost three hundred of you watching on YouTube. So. Let's get that up. Let's get to 150. Surely that's achievable between now and the end of the stream. Going to take a few more questions, going to take a few more comments, uh, and then we're going to leave it there. As I said, we'll be bringing you uh, another edition of a, of this kind of Manchester United little preview series uh, with Scott Saunders, head of content in the UK for 90 min. I'm sure you recognize him from the gas tank. He's brilliant. Uh, so he'll be joining me tomorrow, 5.15 p.m. We'll be talking through the game as well, a little bit more of a general discussion about where the two clubs are at and how we see this one panning out. Um, AJ Morgan makes a great point. Man United wouldn't have hesitated to bring in Bruno for this game if it were just after he joined. Yeah, that's it. You know, you've hit the nail on the head for me. If you, I get what people are saying. Um, I I do. I, I do see the other side of the argument. Sometimes it's possible to have a different opinion, but also understand the other side of it. And that's certainly one of those instances. I do get it. Uh, but for me, I keep going back to it. If you bring someone in for four months, they need to be able to impact your, your team straight away. And you as a manager must believe that to have brought them in in the first place. Therefore, if Emil Smith-Rowe is unavailable, I think the new boy's got to start. He's got to. He's got to. Uh, big hello to Peter Redpath as well. He says, great stream, Harry. Come on, bash the likes. Thank you so much. Um, Harry Land says, all this talk about a loan signing not being ready reminds me of Kim Kalstrom. He did score a penalty in the cup, though. He was Scandinavian, too. Yeah, there you go. Uh, what else have we got here? Um, what else have we got? Lots of you make uh, commenting on my kind of theory about, uh, you know, where where you would uh, prioritise points and, and, and maybe not. Um, Carl says, is there a reason these aren't posting to Spotify? I'll tell you what's happened there, Carl, uh, because it's a, a problem that a few of our listeners have experienced um, of late. Now, when the transfer of the podcast went over to 90 min, um, there was a duplicate Spotify Chronicles of Aguna page created. Don't know how it happened. It was a mistake, uh, a tech error. And what's happened is they have deleted the old one. So now if you're if you're following the old feed, you probably won't have got a show uh, updated on there for about maybe a good 
week and a half now. That has since been rectified and it's all been merged into one. But I don't think that automatically uh, will fix your feed if you're following the wrong one. So if you delete the one you're following and you search for the Chronicles of Aguna again on Spotify, the the right one will come up. And I can see it on my screen now. I'm looking at it. Uh, the show that was posted earlier today is on there. So that one is up to date. But there was a duplicate. Don't know why. It was a bit of a problem. It was only an issue on Spotify. Uh, we've dealt with it now. Uh, but it does mean that, unfortunately, you'll have to unfollow, search again and follow the right one. Uh, so apologies for any inconvenience caused. But thanks for asking, because um, uh, I know it's an issue that a lot of people are are experiencing. Uh, what else have we got here? Um, Joe says, when is your who is your next collab? Uh, we've got a few coming up next week, so I'll keep you posted on them as they um, as they edge closer. Quick one to put in your diaries, though. Adrian Clark returns. Uh, Adrian Clark will be back with me on Monday night live at 9 p.m. So myself and Adrian will be looking back at the game against Manchester United and having a little bit of a discussion about the transfer window in general as well, uh, because, of course, it will be closed by then. Uh, so that should be a pretty decent show. So get over uh, and, and turn your notifications on uh, if you haven't already in that way uh you you won't miss that one uh what else have we got here dominic says when's the next live on 90 min tomorrow actually 4 p.m uh the fans preview we'll be looking ahead to the game uh, on there as well myself and scott and then we'll be jumping right over here uh so that we can do our preview for the chronicles of aguna right thank you all so much for tuning in just to uh reiterate this is my team for manchester united leno in goal Tierney, Louise, Holding and Cedric. If Tierney's not fit, Cedric plays left back, Bellerin plays right back. Midfield pivot of Granit Xhaka and Thomas Partey with a Mill Smith row ahead of him if he's fit. If he's not, Martin Erdegaard comes in. On the right, I've gone with Bukayo Saka. On the left, I've gone with Nicolas Pepe and Alexander Lacazette will lead the line. Uh, in terms of the next call-in show, the next call-in show is coming on Sunday night. So keep uh, your eyes peeled for that one. That is probably going to be at 9 p.m., but I'm just going to confirm the time. Um, I'm just going to confirm the time with my sort of work schedule, uh, which is a little bit up and down at the moment. So uh, we'll get that confirmed, but it's likely to be 9 p.m. on Sunday. It's definitely happening on Sunday, uh, but the time will be confirmed. So stay tuned. I'll post it in the community tab and via Twitter as well. So you can uh, you can stay up to date with that. Uh, what else have we got here? Um likes we need more likes we've only got 121 likes but there are 230 of you right now on youtube uh, so let's get that up to 150 that would be great uh, so hit the like button on your way out doesn't cost a thing leave us a review if you're listening via any of the podcast platforms it's very much appreciated and uh, we'll be back tomorrow with more arsenal related content until then ciao listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.